Matt, how do you do? A pleased to meet you, ladies and gentlemen. Another edition of the Sunday Card right here on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, and on Sports Country Radio on SportsCountry.net. I am Dan Zampano with my esteemed colleague, Mr. Matthew Sobreth, and our producer in chief, the one, the only Lemon Pepper Lou Paracone, both of whom are back. From the FLA Daytona Beach. At least I can see Lewis and he looks tan, but he always looks tan. So it's not really something that's different. But Maddie, I assume that your Irish glow is now a little bronzer, my friend. Oh, I'm, I'm a very nice medium rare pink at the moment. <laughs> uh, and it's that's it's ideal. It's ideal as far as an Irishman goes. But yeah, no, no, we uh, we, we tanned a little bit out there. It was a it was a fantastic week. In the Florida sunshine, the sunshine state, and uh, Daytona Beach treated us well. I'm glad. I'm glad. I saw a lot of beach time, a lot of uh, fun activities. It was also nice to see you fellows again, by the way, for Memorial Day, which was lovely. Uh, catching a little Knicks basketball uh, with Lewis over there. An unfortunate early exit. I'm sorry, Lewis and Matt, uh, for that. But we're rolling. We're rolling on. The off season continues to roll. It's still hockey season, though, Maddie. Your Vegas Golden Knights right now doing pretty well. I hear. We still got. We still got one team standing. Toronto. I mean, just oh, just crap their pants in the first round, like they've been doing for sixty-five years. Time is a flat circle. That's yeah. Just, that's what it is. Yep. I mean. What can you say? What can you say that Toronto blows it? I'm more surprised by Boston really blowing it to the Islanders. That was like blew my mind how good that team was playing. And the Islanders, man, they're they look like they might be on a little run. I must say. Look, I, I think that they've got the team to beat Tampa Bay. I shouldn't say that. Vegas and Islanders have a team to beat Tampa Bay hmm. as far as their depth and everything that goes. But this isn't a hockey podcast, so we can get that, into that another time. That is true. That is true. Let's dive deep into off-season football because football dominates in every part of the year. It's amazing. Uh, how many great tweets have I seen of dudes' thighs being huge, Giovanni Bernard's thighs, mm. and how Mac Jones is throwing better than Cam Newton, and all these lovely OTA things that everybody just talks about and means absolutely nothing because we haven't gotten into pads. But we have to talk about something, thank God. you know. And I'll give you something. Let's talk about it. How about a big trade in the NFL? How about maybe the best receiver in the last 10 years getting traded out of mm -hmm. Atlanta? Julio Jones gone from Atlanta. We saw that this might be coming. It, it heated up a little bit in the last couple of weeks. And now finally after the draft, it does happen. Julio Jones traded to the Tennessee Titans. Maddie, what is the impact of this trade? Who has won the trade in terms of compensation? I'll give it to you right now. A second and a fourth going back to Atlanta while Tennessee gets Julio and a sixth round pick. Is it a fair trade? Is it a value trade? Or did uh, Tennessee get away with high rate robbery, you think? Well, again, you see the name Julio Jones and, and what the compensation was, and you feel like that's highway robbery. But again, how many, how many years does he have left on his deal? I think it's only one or two, correct? Right. Yeah. So, you know, you, you trade for a guy that, you know, more or less what we see as, as far as like, you know, during the, the NBA and NHL playoffs, like these rental pieces that you see all the time moving at like the deadline. So it almost feels like that's a, it's a little bit of like a preseason rental because he's, pre, you know, I don't know if this is a guy that they're going to look to sign long term with having so much youth and, and, you know, they have a guy like A.J. Brown. 
you know, that he's he's a winner. I'll tell you that. A.J. Brown's a winner. Ryan Tannehill's a winner. Derrick Henry's a winner. The entire offense is a winner because now you have that big, big name wide receiver, that ex-weapon wide receiver that defenses have to account for. And now they can't put all the – stack the guys in the box to get Derrick Henry, and they can't double-team A.J. Brown from going over the top like he loves to do. I mean, they've just got – They've got weapons all over the place. And with the progression that we've seen out of Ryan Tannehill since he's taken over as the starting quarterback of Tennessee, you got to think that they're going to be right up there as like a top five offense, just like they were last year. They continue to somehow be a top five offense. And I think that, I think that Jones coming in now, obviously like my first initial reaction to this is wow. Tennessee got a great player, obviously, but they still lose Corey Davis. They do lose Jonu Smith. How do you replace that with Julio Jones? I do have some reservation about it in some ways because I think that Julio is, A, coming off an injury at 32 years old. Mm-hmm. B, is not a big-time touchdown scorer. Like, it just, <laughs> that's not his M.O. Um, I know that a lot of fantasy owners have been kind of upset about that in the past, about how he does not score touchdowns too often but he is a big chunk yardage like production receiver. And if you have a guy like Derrick Henry to be in the red zone, I think it only solidifies Tennessee to be able to get the ball down the field to a guy like that, instead of maybe having to rely on maybe middle of the field passing intermediate passing here and there. I do think Julio is an upgrade, but I do wonder how long Tennessee can keep this up in terms of having Henry run the ball as much as he does and get as many carries as he does because they have nobody behind him. We're going to discuss the AFC South um, in in a few uh, in a few minutes and break down that positional this week. But I think that's the one reservation. I would say that I don't think they were ever getting a first for him. So I do no. think a second and a fourth is pretty fair. No, and like you said, he's a 32-year-old wide receiver, and especially a guy, you know, you said he's coming off an injury now, and we've been able to say that about Julio Jones for the past 10 years, is that he's coming off of an injury. I mean, he's he's constantly have something nagging with him. He's always had, like, a, what I always remember with him is, is mostly, like, feet problems. He's got a lot of foot problems, turf toe, all these sort of, sort of things, which, again, as a wide receiver, trying to make sharp cuts and run routes, like, the last thing that you want to have hurt other than maybe your hands. So... You know, that's definitely going to be interesting to see how healthy he stays all year. And it's very funny you brought up the touchdown thing. I was just going to bring that up. It will be so interesting to see if Julio Jones, now on a new team, can get back to having double-digit touchdowns, which he has not had double-digit touchdowns since 2012. Wow. He has had – he's only – you know, past few years has been 3, 6, 8, 3, 6, 8, <laughs> 6, 2. So, I mean – you know, pretty much seems like six, seven touchdowns is his average, which a guy who we call the best, in, one of the best in the league, which he is, he just doesn't score touchdowns. It's just, you know, it's not his his niche. He And you mentioned the feet. He is a freak of nature. I mean, like from videos that I've seen and, and just listening to player interviews, you, you talk to guys that played with Julio and they tell young guys that are coming up, don't watch Julio's tape because Julio can do things that no one else can do just with his feet mm-hmm. alone. So that's what makes him so unique of a specimen. Now you got AJ Brown on the other side of that. You got two of these absolute freaks, you know, on each side of the football. It's going to be something difficult to defend. And we'll get into the whole wide receiver room when we do the AFC South breakdown. So I thought that was just kind of an interesting thing that that's how it happened. But again, you know, um, am I cautiously optimistic? Yes. 
and I'm more cautious than optimistic about how much Julio impacts Tennessee going forward. Yeah. And especially like I said, um, you know, again, we're going to get when we do the positional breakdowns, we can get into this conversation a little deeper, but I, you know, as far as just our general outlook on the division now, obviously with the Houston Texans, who we plan to just, uh, they might not even play any games this year. They might just throw the towel in uh, <laughs> from the sideline at the beginning of every game. And then you've got the Jaguars in that division, just getting Trevor Lawrence, getting things figured out. Um, and then obviously, you know, we, it was basically down to us between the Colts and the Titans. And we were, we, we were very in favor of the Colts earlier this, you know, this year when we did that, uh, that, that podcast. So um want to get a little in depth about that later once we start talking about breakdowns of the position and see how much our opinion has changed on us thinking the Colts are kind of going to run away with this one. Well, we're going to find out in a few minutes, but before we do, Maddie, I got a little game for you. I think it's time to play a little would you rather, don't you? I think this is a good time to do that. Yeah, a little – this is like a spin-the-bottle situation or what? <laughs> well, listen, we're, not playing, <laughs> we're not in ninth grade. All right, sorry. Seven, seven minutes in heaven here or anything this like is that. Not a, this is not a pregame. I'm sorry. I know I know it's after dark, but geez. I mean, so anyway, uh, I'm going to give you five questions. <laughs> Excuse me. Would you rather? So here we go. And the first question is a personal question for you, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. How did well, you come up with this one, Dan? So I, I don't know. It just came to me. Um Every I feel like every podcast in America is doing this question, so let's just do it. If you are the Broncos, considering all the circumstances surrounding both quarterbacks, right now, would you rather trade for Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I had I had somebody ask me this the other day, and, and like I said, you know, and I. I as I'm catching up now on all these podcasts, everything is doing it. But again, being away for a week was just like off the grid. So I really was pondering this on the beach in Daytona, uh, you know, by myself with a Mai Tai in my hands um, and and was thinking about it. And I would still go with Aaron Rodgers. I know that Deshaun Watson is the the younger younger guy and, and everything going. But I mean, if you did say with all circumstances included, then everything that he's going through right now is nothing that I want my team to be a part of. Um, again, all of the lawsuits and such that he has going on. We don't know if he's going to play any football this year um, because of because of that. Um, and I just think that with the Broncos or with Aaron Rodgers, you guarantee yourself a legitimate shot at the Super Bowl for the next three seasons if you get Aaron Rodgers. And, and again, sign him to some sort of contract and not just, you know, have him walk away after one year. There's no, I don't, you know, there's no chance that any team's going to make the trade without doing a sign and trade or, or you know, an extension deal. So, I love Deshaun Watson, and we we think of him as as you know a borderline top five quarterback in the league, maybe a top five quarterback for some people. But I just the the winning pedigree isn't quite there enough. And if you're making a big splash trade like this, I don't just want to have a guy that's going to help us finish second in the division behind Patrick Mahomes for the rest of his contract. I want to have a guy that I have confidence in coming up in MVP season that will get us to the playoffs. And then when we have a playoff game, have the utmost confidence that he can, he can get us, you know, through a round after round and eventually to the Lombardi trophy. So that's, I, I would still stick with Aaron Rodgers. I just think the winning pedigree, the trade, you know, a trade for a quarterback like that, you need to guarantee Super Bowls. And I think the best ch- chance at Super Bowls, even if I get four years of Aaron Rodgers or eight years of Deshaun Watson, I'm still taking four years of Aaron Rodgers. Interesting logic behind this. I think to also bolster your argument, I would say 
imagine the compensation that's going to be needed for Deshaun Watson versus Aaron Rodgers. Don't yeah. you think that you would have to spend more in draft capital to probably get a younger 25-year-old quarterback than you would Aaron Rodgers? I feel, and I get it, he's coming off an MVP season. I do think that the compensation would be higher for Deshaun Watson, three first-rounders, probably a couple seconds and thirds. You're probably going to give up a similar package, but I do think that you would probably actually save in the long run some of those draft capital. Look, the Broncos are ready. Like they're, I think either of these two guys puts them in the Super Bowl winning pedigree, but there is something to be said for somebody that has done it and somebody that is going to a fresh new place to be able to do it. That is kind of in the twilight of their career that, and we talk about this all the time, the cerebralness of the quarterback and how much experience he has, Brady, Rodgers, those types of guys. I kind of agree with you. I kind of think I would rather take Rodgers too. And it's nothing against Deshaun Watson. It's just, I do value, again, the cerebralness of that quarterback position. Also, fun fact, number of houses that Aaron Rodgers owns in Wisconsin, zero. Number of houses that he owns in Colorado, one. Just saying. That's just, I mean, that's just sabermetrics. That's just put the stats on paper and, and, and look at the sheet. Shailene Woodley has, I think she might, I think she might be like, hey, Come live over here. Like, this is pretty good, you know? Yeah, so, I, th- I think it's having a pretty solid influence on him, and I'm not <laughs> mad at it. I think so. Although, did you see Kareem Jackson on the podcast this week say that uh, he's been talking to Deshaun Watson uh, in the offseason, and Deshaun says the only place he wants to be is Denver? So, uh, I mean, it's nice to be the prettiest girl at the prom here. I mean, <laughs> with Jizzy's quarterbacks wanting to come play for your team. Uh, I mean, pr- pretty happy about it. I mean, John Elway – would probably is probably just going back and forth of like which quarterback, even though I, I don't know. I think, I think John always absolutely an Aaron Rodgers guy over a Deshaun Watson guy. If as far as just a, he is such a looking for a classical quarterback kind of thing. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great spot to be in if I'm being like, and, but now if I hear that and we come out of this off season and, and Mr. Locke is starting at quarterback <laughs> come, you know, actually I guess it'll be Teddy, but, I'm okay with Teddy, but if I see Drew Locke, if I see number three under center come come week one, I'm not going to be too happy about it. El- Elway's probably sitting over there. I was like, "Look, I let Peyton in here for two years. I am not letting I am not letting someone else <laughs> break all my records here in Denver. Are you kidding me? Locke is starting. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's go to the next one. Here's a very interesting one. I'm really interested to hear your answer. To start all 16 games next year, would you rather have for your quarterback, Carson Wentz or Derek Carr? This is it, this is so interesting because you're just taking it at, just, you know, let's just say it's a Madden team and all the ratings are the same and you're just plugging this guy in of, you know, everybody else is just player one, two, three, and four with, with stats and the, these guys. And it's like, I think I have to take Derek Carr, mm. mainly just because just of the season that Carson Wentz was coming off of. We talk about Carson Wentz is a two-headed monster, and we talk about him in that way as well because we both know that the potential is there. The MVP season, all of this that we've seen in the past, and we just have that sliver of hope that it's there. But when you just keep looking back to what he did like last year in the past two years, and how his release time has gotten so slow, and the numbers on his release are the slowest in the league, and, and the interceptions that he's been throwing, and not, like obviously last year was just awful in Philadelphia. 
and then Derek Carr is kind of just like out in Las Vegas and it's like the team doesn't win, but it's not always necessarily because of him. And it's, it's, I, you know, that's really another case. It's, it's the same case as Carson Wentz. If car, if Derek Carr moves somewhere new, there's a chance we could be talking about him as an MVP type. If he moved to a team with a really good offensive line and a solid defense and a, and a really good head coach, like we could easily be talking about him the same way. So I will put my chips down on Derek Carr for this one. Interesting. Interesting. Now, notice how the question is framed. To start all 16 games. Yeah. Both these cats get hurt all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Both of them. So, and really, if you look at their, their, their careers are very parallel because 2017 was Wentz's like coming out party, breakout MVP season. That was 2016 for Derek Carr. Derek Carr mm. was basically the MVP till he got hurt in the end of the season and the Raiders had to start, I think, Connor Cook for like the playoffs. Yeah. So God rest us. I mean, God bless Chris Raza somewhere that he doesn't have to hear that. But, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is with Wentz doing what he did then, it was with Frank Reich. And I'm looking at him now next year going back to Frank Reich and having kind of a more settled He's in the place where he really should be. Indianapolis fits his style way more than I think Philly ever did. Carr is just, I mean, look, Carr's been with the Raiders for as long as he's been. So I don't I don't suspect him to really, I don't think that Derek Carr can do any more than he has done so far. Well, well, I really t- don't. T- take them out of coaching situation at T-Lex. Put them on generic team A and generic team B, and they're copycats of each other. Yeah. Quarterback skill-wise. Who would you take? Oh, I would take Wentz. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, I know. Wentz. <laughs> that's that's that. You know that I was going to say that because you know how I feel about him. I just need him to start all sixteen games. That's yeah. what I need. Yeah, and again, for me, it would be just I need I need Derek Carr to you'll feel like you get you get Derek Carr with a Frank Reich kind of guy. Or again, I, I feel like get put Derek Carr with like Kyle Shanahan. Derek oh. Carr could put up some numbers. Like that's the kind of system that he needs to really be playing in, where he can move, you know, move with his feet and, and throw on the run and stuff like that. Um, and I, I think that's where he would just absolutely excel. But you know, you get a little bit of that with Gruden, but uh, with a lot of other stuff that comes along with Gruden as well. So Gruden, is that's like definitely running, an interesting. One. Yeah, Gruden is running the run and shoot basically. I mean, he's doing that. Me personally, I actually like it would be better. And this is going to sound really weird, but. I think if you put somebody like that into a Matt Nagy style offense, because I think that Matt Nagy had uh, when he, when Trubisky had a good year, it was because they threw the ball down the field a lot. Mm-hmm. If they had Carr in that offense, I think they would actually thrive because I think they would be able to toss the ball down the field. Obviously they need receivers to do that, but I think it would be a much better situation in Chicago if they had somebody like Carr throwing down the field like that. Cause that's what Nagy likes to do. Yeah. Um, Let's go to the next one. Here's an interesting one. I Another one that uh, a couple of birds here on this would you rather take a bet on which team will miss the playoffs next year? Would you rather take the Baltimore Ravens or the Seattle Seahawks? I, this is this is just such a fantastic question because you you chose two divisions that are that are really, you know, top to bottom stacked. But I, I will say that, oh man, there's two teams that I just I look like a fool on every year until I don't. But 
but there's two teams that I've I feel like I've been waiting to fall off and miss the playoffs in the past two years. The Seahawks are one, and the Saints are the other. Hmm. And I finally might be right on the Saints now, like this year, um, if I stick with it. But yeah, I just Seattle, Pete Carroll, everything that's gone into that. It feels like – I don't know how Seattle manages to do this every year where they put this – they put an offensive line together and a defense together with paper mache at the beginning of the year, just newspaper clippings and glue. And next thing you know, it's it's a perfect solid ball of concrete rolling right into the playoffs come week eight. Like I, they just do it every season. I don't know how, but I see you got to – you got – the, probably the oldest head coach in Pete Carroll. No, is is there anybody older than He's him? That's the oldest head coach in the league yeah. right now. Yeah. So you've got the oldest head coach, and then, and I'm just I'm too high on on the Ravens this year. I think the Ravens have a a really big bounce back. Lamar specifically, I think Lamar is going to have a much better season this year than he did last year. Had a very like weird training camp and everything going on last year. I think he's coming in much more focused this year. Hopefully, much more integrated in the offense. And the offense has been you know working out the kinks now for the past two seasons. So this is mainly, this is, I'm going to pick Seattle here mostly because I am just super high on the Ravens this year. And I think that they, I think they, you know, win that division and, and have a, have a good chance at a Super Bowl. Wow. Okay. Okay. Let me, we, let me flip, uh, flip it back to you. Where, like where, where do you stand I, on this I, argument? Listen, I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking with the missing the playoffs. I'm actually going to take the Ravens. I, I think that that might be the surprise of the year is that I, I don't know. We have not yet seen an offense from Baltimore that shows us that Lamar is going to throw it to the sidelines, that Lamar is going to be, uh, you know, not relying on his tight end in the middle of the field. You take that away and there just isn't a lot there. Now, yes, they brought in Rashad Bateman uh, in, in the draft and all those great things. I think that I still am wondering, can you win with that style of offense? And I think I was really high on it last year. And the reason I would take the Ravens again over uh, over Seattle in terms of missing the playoffs is not just that, but they lost a lot of dudes on on defense too. Like their, their defense is a little bit more depleted than it was last year. It's not the same team. And they've got to recycle a lot of different guys. A lot of different draft picks have to come up the pike. With Seattle, it's like – they're the like broken brain team of the league. Like they break your brain every single week thinking that now they're bad. Now they're good. Now they're bad. Now they're good. And the one glue piece that keeps them together is Russell Wilson. I mean, and I hate that. That's that that's the argument that has to be made here, but I mean, that's the argument right there in a nutshell. I mean, the guy is absurd. He's top two, three quarterback in the league. Um, Add in Lockett, add in Metcalf. Those guys are only going to get better. They need a running game, clearly. But, you know, the let Russ cook type of, you know, mentality that it was last year, when that went away and they couldn't figure out how to run the football, you know, that's when they ran into problems. But I would still say Seattle just because I there are question marks of the Rams, there are question marks of the 49ers and where they are. Um, by the way, 49ers shutting down their OTAs, like, for till training camp because of all the injuries that they've gotten in OTAs. So another injury laden season for the 49ers <laughs> coming through, but um, there's just a lot of question marks with those teams. Maybe not so the Rams as much, but um, I think Cleveland again, Cleveland, I, I'm, I'm so getting sucked into their vortex this year. And I think Cincinnati is going to be a better team. 
Pittsburgh, we'll see. But, you know, I I do think that it could – it would not surprise me if Baltimore missed the playoffs. I would say that. So you think that Pittsburgh and Cincinnati both have better chances of making the playoffs than let's than, than the Rams and the Cardinals? Do not – do not – not put words in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. sounded no, like what you said. <laughs> no. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, I think that the AFC North is, I think, could surprise people and be better than people think. I think Cleveland is, as far as a roster, like Cleveland is better than Baltimore, roster wise. And mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, we'll get into that when we talk about the AFC North. But like, top to bottom, if you look at it on paper, they are the better team. And Baltimore, again, like, I'm not saying Baltimore is going to miss the playoffs, but if you took it over Seattle, I just think Seattle with their quarterback play is is guaranteed at least nine wins. And and that's crazy because they don't not have double-digit winning records with Russell Wilson. They just don't do it. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll definitely see. Yeah, the miracle man, Russell Wilson, he just, <laughs> he just aggravates the hell out of me at all times. As usual, just wait till September. It'll really piss you off. Um, let's bet on a team to make the playoffs, shall we? Would you rather have the New Orleans Saints or my New England Patriots? Well, as long as uh, good old number 50, Mac Jones, which <laughs> we didn't even talk about. We talked about wide receiver numbers and cornerback numbers. Mac Jones coming out wearing 50 is like just crazy. Like I got to look at a quarterback wearing a wearing five zero. Are you kidding me? But I will take the Patriots in this one. As I just said, the Saints are the other team that I continually crap on and think that they will not perform up to what they are. But then they, I always forget that Sean Payton is actually a good head coach and gets the best out of his team and knows how to game plan properly. But I don't know if they're going to be able to do it with a mixture of Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill and losing some pieces on the defensive side. You know, that's a big thing, too. I don't, you know, the free agents and everything else is less likely to stay in New Orleans now without Drew Brees, with the Drew Brees and Sean Payton presidential ticket, if you will, (laughs) uh, you know, running together. So I think that they're, you know, I think this is the year that they fall off a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that that would be the team that I would take to miss. And, and the you know, Patriots, Patriots would make the playoffs. Amazing. It's like, you know, that's never happened before. Um, by the way, he's wearing number 50 because that's how many touchdowns he's going to throw this year. Don't you hey. recognize that? Don't you recognize that? As Lewis's eyes go to the back of his head, just thinking about that. Um, rookie of the year. Anyway, uh, Patriots, I think, I think this would be the perfect year for the Saints to just shock us all and go to the Super Bowl. You know, of course, like, of it course, would, it would be just perfect because of how heartbreak city their their last three, four years have been. But I think this is I just don't believe that Bill Belichick is going to stand for anything but, you know, a division title. And if, if they don't get that, like. I think they'll definitely have one of those three spots. So uh, I would, I would probably say that the NFC is going to be much harder. Like we said with the West and 
I do think the East could could possibly, you know, garner Cowboys, Washington, one of those, uh, depending on what happens in the North. The South, again, a lot of this league is just predicated on quarterback play. And neither of these two teams really have great quarterback play. But right now, I think you have to go on defense and coaching and the Patriots have the better one right now and the Saints don't. So I would go with New England as well. Yeah, what what they did to bolster the defense and once Bill Belichick gets his hands on that, I mean they their your defense this year is going to be impeccable. If I if I had to guess, if I had to take a wild stab at it, it's going to be a brick wall trying to break that <laughs> defense. Maybe the fantasy's top defense we will see. Uh, last one, fun one here for you, Maddie. To bet on the worst record in football, would you rather take the Lions or the Texans? The Texans. They don't even have. They are barely going to field a team. <laughs> they have. They have Mark Ingram, who is about to turn into dust as their running back. And again, and Deshaun Watson, I don't think will play a single snap because he's not going to. Why, with everything else going on, are you going to play football to win two out of seventeen games? Yeah, and risk one, your body, risk your body for future contracts. That that one was pretty easy. You've got the lovely quarterback combination of Tyrod Taylor, Jeff Driscoll, and Davis Mills. So I mean, Ooh. one of those three guys do anything for you? I don't know. Uh, and then you know, with like you said, there there is a brutal offensive room. The defense actually does not look like horrible on paper. It probably will be anyway, but. Uh, their offense is garbage. Their offense <laughs> is hot garbage. At least Detroit has like a, a quarterback that has actually like won in this league. He's not great, but God, I mean, you got to think that players are going to play hard for a guy like Dan Campbell, I guess. So, you know, I would, I would probably venture with Houston too. Although I think it would be really funny if Dan Campbell was just a maniac all the time and they went like, Oh, and 17 just freaking out on the sidelines the entire time. And like, like no, nobody gets water again until we win a game. Like, I don't know. Like he's going to be doing some crazy stuff. It'll be like junction boys with bear Bryant back in the fifties and just putting salt tabs in the water. So guys yeah. can't drink it. <laughs> wild, wild stuff. No Gatorade. Gatorade's for winners. <laughs> I don't need it. I don't need it. Um, okay. With that, with the Texans. Why don't we discuss the Texans and the other three AFC South teams? Let's break it down by position, shall we? Uh, we always do this every week now uh, as part of our offseason program. Quarterbacks, running backs, the the pass catcher room, wide receivers and tight ends, defenses, and then, of course, coaches, which ought to be very fun indeed. Uh, Maddie, let me hear it. One through four, the quarterbacks – uh, I think I know where you're going with the bottom two. I'm interested to hear the top two. So, are, yeah, I so I guess we have to – we're still considering Deshaun Watson the quarterback of the Houston Texans. We have to, I guess, right? It's up to you. I I, I would say, uh, to me, I, I don't believe that he is going to, but he is under contract. He's also – we're going to find out soon whether he's going to be in the – um, commissioner's exemplist, but mm. I think it would kind of be fun if we did it without him, because I think we're assuming anyway, we, like we just did in the last one uh, with the Texans and the Lions thing that Deshaun Watson's not going to play. So yeah, I would go no with Deshaun Watson. Okay. 
So then that, yeah. So then that definitely makes things a little more clear cut. And so number one here, so number four, we'll put Tyrod Taylor slash Jeff Driscoll slash Davis Mills in the four spot. (laughs) Um, The third spot down. Oh man. You have to put Trevor Lawrence. He hasn't played a snap in the NFL yet. I'm not going to get crazy. Let's not get crazy. Number two would be Carson Wentz. Okay. And number one would be Mr. Ryan Tannehill, who now, with Julio Jones, uh, our producer mentioned this to me the other day when as soon as that trade went down, he said, I don't know if you've looked at Ryan Tannehill's MVP odds recently, but I believe he was somewhere around plus 2,600, plus 3,200, 3,200, right around the same number that Carson Wentz was. It was 2,300. It was 2,300. I hammered it. (laughs) <laughs> more favorable than Carson Wentz's MVP odds. And I will say, I mean, there's just something still associated with his name of Tannehill for all those years in Miami that I feel like nobody wants to believe in him, but he's been so he's been undeniably good in Tennessee, just undeniably a really good quarterback in Tennessee since he's been there. So as far as playing in this division and how he's played against everybody in this division, I have to put him number one on this list. I hate to do this, but I have to agree with you. I, yeah. I think that Tannehill is number one on this list right now because without knowing whether Wentz can translate his game back to what it needs to be, I just uh, I, I I just agree with your list one through four because Tannehill, you're right, he's been a top five quarterback in the league statistically. I mean, he's been ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So to me, I don't really think this is a tough question at all, uh, especially adding Jones. Until you see Wentz overtake him, and I do think there's a possibility, and I will probably be betting on Wentz to win MVP uh, on a long shot bet. The problem I have with Tannehill on an MVP bet is that the guy playing behind him is is almost should be. I mean, he's never going to get a consideration for MVP, but like he should. The guy had 2,000 yards rushing last year, so to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's difficult for me to bet an MVP with Derrick Henry back there, but I can see where it's going. So I do agree one through four Tannehill Wentz, the Lawrence, uh, whatever that is. And then the carousel in Houston. Uh, Let's go to the running back room. I am interested in this because like we mentioned, it is a total, like, I mean, that Houston running back room is incredible. Some of the, I think it just went all like B and C running backs just behind them. Let's just fill up with as much as we can. But I am interested in hearing number one, number two. Well, yeah, again, so now that, especially now that we washed Deshaun Watson from this, we'll just go ahead and slot Houston at the four spot for basically everything else going on here. Cause <laughs> we're ranking offensive positions. We already talked about how hot garbage that is. So wide receiver or sorry, running back room. Uh, four is Houston. Oh man, this is another one where it's like there's just rookies in Jacksonville that I like so much, but mm. I can't deny what the Colts have been doing. So number two, or sorry, number three on that list has got to be Jacksonville. Uh, I love Travis Etienne and um, the other guy whose name is escaping me, the undrafted uh, free agent last year that they had, um, who was absolutely crushing it in Jacksonville. Um, James Robinson. James Robinson, thank you very much. As my computer is slow trying to pull it up. Um, James Robinson, guys, that's a, that's a really good room that they have. Um, 
the Colts will be the second room because that, that's another they are, you know, another full like by committee kind of room. Um, and then number one, I mean, you've got the only running back. Well, not the only running back because there's CMC, but one of the only running backs in the league that should ever be considered in an MVP conversation. And that's Derrick Henry. And you have to put him at the top of that list, even if he is the only running back in that room. It, you know, he could be in a room by himself uh, and he's going to be at the top of that list for me. So. We have a disagreement. <laughs> I think do you have the Colts ahead of Tennessee as a whole, as a unit? I, I would say this. I am putting Jacksonville at fourth. I do think that Houston, as crazy as their running back room is, uh, they do have reliable backs. They're not unreliable. I would say the guy like Philip Lindsay and a guy like you know Rex Burkhead and Mark Ingram and David Johnson, those are four – for, if, if those guys are – if all you're asking are those guys to take 100 touches for the entire year, like, fine. Like, that's all I can ask out of you. If you get if you get 75 to 100 touches, you know, like, for those four guys, I'm cool with it. I would put them ahead of Jacksonville because, again, Jacksonville's really only relying on James Robinson. And then if ETN is good, and it's a big if um, – and, and Urban Meyer can work that offense the way he wants to, then I could see them being productive. But I think ETN, I mean, I, I still, I think I would need to see, I think I would need to see something from him to translate to the NFL. A second year guy and a rookie guy basically being your whole, being your whole uh, running back room ekes me a little bit. Um, but I would put the Colts ahead of Derrick Henry. And I'll tell you why. I, I, I think Jonathan Taylor is an RB1 already. I, I really do. And and the guys that compliment him behind him, Hines, Mack, Jordan Wilkins, like all really nice pieces of production, can use them in third down situations, can use them in passing down situations, third and longs. But Taylor, to me, is already like he, he's already the cat's pajamas out there. I mean, he really is. He's fantastic. I think that he's going to be very, very high in fantasy circles uh, around fantasy leagues throughout the country. With Henry, here's my issue. Who's there behind him? Like, is there anybody there behind him? And if there's not, because like Darrington Evans, like old Appalachian State running back is the backup, right? So um, I got a statistic. I don't know if you listened to Michael Lombardi this week, but just a statistic I thought was interesting. Before 2020, there were 31 running backs that got 400 touches in one season between the ages of 25 and 29. Of the 31 running backs, 29 of them saw significant drops in production the following season. Now, Henry had those touches in 2019 and followed it up with 2,000 yards in 2020. Can he sustain that level of production? Production. We saw it happen to CMC uh, and last year, and he got hurt. I wonder how much of a battering that Henry's going to be able to take. I, I know he's a he's a different animal. He's a different running back. He's like the reincarnation of Adrian Peterson. He really is, but uh, and even bigger. But I do wonder if he can maintain that production. So I will go with Jonathan Taylor and the rest of the Colts running back because it's his room, and the rest of the guys are just complimenting him. Hey. Crown him. Crown him. He's the king. He's the king. Oh, Wisconsin Badger. I love it. Let's go pass catchers, Maddie. Wide receivers and tight ends. Who you got? 
Uh, well, they can obviously quite a bit of change with the Julio Jones trade. I mean, for, for me, I mean, that, that trade rockets them. It's tough. It's, it, it is really a debate, though, with everything else that they've lost, as you said, losing Davis and Jonu Smith. Um, the only other competition that they would have, you could – I mean, you can look at, at, at Jacksonville's room and what they did to improve. Obviously, DJ Chark has been a great, great ad for them that they drafted a couple of years ago. Um, had had a, had a down year last year in comparison to what he did in his rookie year, but really kind of turned it on the back half. Um, and the only other competition out of that would be Indianapolis. And one of the biggest glaring weaknesses for the Colts is their wide receiver room. Because again, talk about guys that had down years last year. Ty Hilton, Ty Hilton looked like you know stats looked like he didn't even play a full full season. I mean, he looks like he played four games with that with the numbers that he had up. So. I will have to go with Tennessee number one. I mean, you, when you have AJ Brown and uh, Julio Jones, I mean those those guys are just both, like you said, freak athletes off the charts numbers as far as what they can do athletically. Number two, uh, I mean Randall Cobb. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> number Terrible. number two, number two, I'll have to go Indianapolis because um, again, got to hope the Ty has a bounce back. They've always got the tight end room just locked and loaded in Indianapolis. And and then um what's it? Paris Campbell? Yes. Is that who Paris I'm thinking Campbell of? Campbell going to be big yes. here for Paris Campbell. I think he's I mean, he showed flashes of what he could do in the slot. He has the same build to me as Justin Jefferson, but he plays out of the slot. He's okay. super long. He can grab anything and his runs after his yards after the catch are just insane. So okay. I think that he can have a really really big the year this year. I agree. Um and so, yeah, so we go Tennessee, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, and Houston. What a, what a similar, what a, what a similar list. Very what a similar good. order. I know it's like, it's like it keeps coming this way. Um, I, I, I really like that. And I'll tell you why I, I think Tennessee, you're right. I think Julio puts them over the top. There's no question about that. Having two freaks like that in the outside. How about Josh Reynolds being a number three receiver? Coming over from yes. the Rams, that's that's another guy that thrived as a number three receiver in LA, and is coming over to a very similar situation in Tennessee. So I think that's a nice little compliment piece for them. Anthony Ferkser was not a bad red zone target at tight end. They also have Jeff Swain back there yeah. as well. I like Tennessee. I like Indianapolis number two. Hilton, Pittman, Campbell, Zach Pascal. Uh, if JJ Nelson maybe makes a team. But they're they're you're right. Oh. This is this is the unit right here that's a step up from Indianapolis because it can't just be like Jack Doyle and Mo Alley Cox are like really nice targets for Wentz, and that's kind of what he had in Philadelphia, the same Goddard uh Ertz combo. So I think he'll rely on those two guys a little bit more than maybe some of those younger receivers. I don't know. I'm, I'm Michael Pittman is the guy that I'm thinking of that that I was trying to say not. Oh, yes. My computer is so broken right now and I cannot just pull any names up and it's driving me absolutely insane. But yes. Michael Pittman rookie last year. Correct. Yes. Where's number 11, I believe. Correct. Would not give it to Carson. That, Rams, even though he only had 500 yards. Receiving. That man, that man's going to have a breakout year this year. That is, that is who I have my eyes on. Cause his build, his build, I think is he has, he has all the intangibles. 
So I thought I was wondering, I'm like, wow, Matt really likes Paris Campbell. <laughs> okay. No, Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell was the guy that was like the fourth receiver for the Colts for like the past five years. Pretty much. <laughs> so I was like, wow, that's that's pretty good. I like Paris Campbell too, but he's got a breakout. But you're right. Michael Pittman has to have a breakout year next year for the Colts to be successful. I agree with you. Um, I put Jacksonville. I love LaVisca Chenault. I mean, I I think that kid, uh. <laughs> God almighty, as God is my witness, he, he, he could be a pro bowler next year. I think I really do top that. top five name in football. Top five name in in sports. I mean, Lavisca Chanel, God bless him. There are no tight ends uh, except for Tim Tebow uh, on the Jaguars hey, roster. Hey. Just so you know. <laughs> and then I met a TE one. Yeah, TE one. You know, TE bow. <laughs> that's what it's going to be. They should market it like that. Um, and then Houston. Listen to this room. Old ass Brandon Cooks, old ass uh, Randall Cobb, Andre Roberts, uh, the somehow has one amazing game every year. Kiki Kute, uh, Chris Conley, Alex Erickson, zero. Like I've never heard of any of the tight ends on their roster yeah. except for Brevin Jordan, who's a rookie out of Miami. So like, and I only knew him because of our draft special. So I don't know <laughs> anybody in the tight end room. Oh, and Ryan Izzo because he was the, like the fourth string tight end for the Patriots last year. That's pretty much it. Like they uh, have listen, nothing. I, I remember a lot of Patriots hype about Ryan Izzo. Ryan Izzo could replace Rob Gronkowski. I don't know. Ryan Izzo could be the next number one tight end of all time. Could be. <laughs> well, who are those people? Because they deserve to be shot. Whoever said. Yeah, that. I don't know. I, I was know. probably one of them. Um, yeah, that's awful. Yeah, I like Tennessee, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, and Houston as my one through four. Let's do defense really quick. What do you like about these defenses? This was a hard one because I really don't think there's a very good defense in this in this uh, in this division. I really don't. I was just gonna say. I mean, ten- Tennessee. I think we're going to see a really different, just deep. I don't. Defense, you know, personnel-wise and just, I think, outlook and game plan and everything, I think we're going to see a lot of different stuff out of Tennessee this year because clearly what they did last year was not working. Shout-out to Adore Jackson now being out of town. Um, probably the the greatest, you know, addition by subtraction that happened this <laughs> offseason. Um, so, but I, I think I still will put the Colts at number one. Uh, I mean, when you've got – they've got some really good pieces. When you got have a guy like Darius Leonard as your Mike linebacker, just – just locking down the middle, leading the league in, in, in tackles his rookie year. Um, you know, having a guy like that in the middle, just locking everything down is great. They add, they do add some pass rush with the draft, finally, like we are expecting them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and and their, their secondary played played really, really well the first half of the year and then played good enough, obviously, to get by in the second half of the year. So, um, and, and they're much more of a, um, a scheme defense versus just having having ballers all over the place that can match up one on one. They 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 really know how to just you know, Frank Reich knows what he's doing out there. So we'll have to go with the Colts number one. Uh, I, I you and again it just you cannot put I cannot even put Jacksonville or Houston anywhere close to one or two on this list. So by default you have to go with Tennessee number two. Yes. Um and then and then number three. You know, we'll give this one to Houston, like you said, because Houston is a team, and I agree with you. When you look at the paper, you go, this should be pretty good. But that's when Houston, I feel like the past like five years, as you look at their defense on paper, and you go, oh, that's not too bad. And then they're horrible. So 
We'll give Houston the three spot for the defense. And we will say the Jacksonville Jaguars still have quite a bit to figure out on the defensive side of the ball. As much as you draft a quarterback and a running back and a wide receiver two years ago and all this other stuff, you need to make some repairs on the defensive side of the ball. But they did a lot of a lot of free agents too. A lot of free agents. So they brought in uh Shaquille Griffin. So that's a start. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, Jacksonville has got a long way to go. There's no question. They're focusing more on offense. I do think that Houston does have on paper like a decent defense that, you know, Lovey Smith is now going to be the defensive coordinator, by the way. So that could be interesting um, to have him there. But they got like Whitney Merciless and Zach Cunningham and Shaq Lawson playing linebacker. They got Justin Reed, one of the great safeties in the league. Um playing back there. Bradley Roby's playing corner for them. Desmond King's playing corner for them. They have some like guys you heard of guys that have made noise in the league. Jacksonville's just a bunch of like, you know, Island of misfit toys. I mean, that's basically what they are. You have no idea what they are, but I agree with you. I think the reason Indianapolis is number one is not necessarily because of the talent that they've amassed. It's because of the scheme in which they run their defense. And that's the Mm -hmm. Tampa two zone defense that they are not the they're like the no-name defense they have some really nice pieces DeForest Buckner Darius Leonard you know you can go with those two guys but I do think it's more about the unit as a whole than it is um than it is the individual players themselves uh so I would go with them as number one and Tennessee I just Tennessee shipped off their whole secondary and Jory Jackson yes like he needed to go you replaced him with Janoris Jenkins. Uh, yeah, not, I know. I'm, I'm not sure about that. Malcolm Butler is gone too. It's it's a weird. I like their linebacker core. I will say that, and I think their coach plays hard for them, uh, and 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 coaches them up well. But I just don't. I don't know. Tennessee's another team that I could see just like having a fall off because of their defense. You know, like uh, I don't know. They're tough. They're a tough cookie to crack. Tough nut to crack. I would say, and. <laughs> from defense to, and speaking of coaches, coaches, uh, I have a feeling we can kind of put David Cully and urban Meyer on the back burner for this one, because God help us all that we know what's going to happen with those two. I think this really comes down to your preference, Frank Riker, Mike Brabel. Oh, I, I was fully expecting you to, to tell me how urban Meyer is the best coach in this. <laughs> are you, are you not going to do that? Uh, if I want to throw up on, on the podcast, I will. Sure. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so yeah, again, David Culley goes number four by default, Houston Texans in the four spot for this division. You have to at least give Urban Meyer a slight leg up over him because, you know, he's done anything in his football career. And I, if I had to take one coach to coach my team, I think I got to take Mike Vrabel. Really? I, I just, just as far as a, a yeah, you know, Maybe the scheme isn't all there. Maybe, sorry, not, not, it's not that it's not all there, but it might not be Frank Reich level. Uh, he is known as the, you know, as one of these masterminds, one of these gurus who, who really is just calling all the shots. You bring him in and he's, he's in charge of the whole team, top to bottom personnel, because he knows what he's doing. But just if I got a big game to win, I want Mike Frable on the sidelines with me and just, just, because you know what? If we need him an outside linebacker, we could throw him in there too. <laughs> so, you know, he could just hop back in there. But I just – I love Mike Vrabel. I love me some Mike Vrabel, and it's the only reason – you know, he's the reason why you can never count the Titans out of anything, I feel like. He's just – he's always there. He's always ready to go. And 
now you can go ahead and tell me why I'm super wrong and Frank Reich is a genius. Because he is. I love Frank Reich too. But if I'm going, I got to win one game. I'll take I'll take Vrabel on my side. Yeah, I'm going to take Frank Reich. <laughs> I just I, I will th- I I like I like Vrabel. I think that he's a player's coach. Again, like you said, the scheme isn't always there with Tennessee. I think they're a bunch of nasty dogs though playing for him. I do I do think that they play hard for their coach and they're tough. They're mentally a tough team because of him. But I do think that Frank Reich does bring something to the table, some type of, you know, there, there's something he said about like his intelligence and like his his calm demeanor, I think does also play in it. And plus how he coaches. Like, I think he's a teacher of the game more so than I think Vrabel is um, and just mm-hmm. how he goes about things. So I, he's put a great staff around himself. And I just, I just think that Reich right now uh, has gotten a lot out of that team that I don't think a lot of people expected him to get out of. Um, Vrabel, I think, a lot of people have talked him up and I could say the same thing about Vrabel. He's gotten, he's gotten his team. He's gotten his team to places. I don't think anybody expected them to be with Ryan freaking Tannehill, but I just don't know if that's him coaching or him kind of delegating more so. So I'm not really about the, I think Vrabel's more of a delegator and Reich is more of the schemer, the uh, wise sage, I guess, if you will. Um, Urban Meyer and David Cole, you could give me a freaking toss up. I could give a shit about that. I mean, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't like Coley at least has coached in the NFL. I don't know. I, I, I can't choose between those two. Those two are like thing one and thing two. I, I don't know what you want me to choose. Let's so. just throw them both in the garbage. Throw them both in the, in the trash compactor. That's, that's exactly right. Maddie, pretty good. My friend, pretty good list. I'm excited. We'll do the NFC South next time, and we'll see exactly um, if we can get every single position group for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as number one. It's going to be very fun. Oh, I think there's a solid chance. Yeah. I, Except I, I, for quarterback. Oh, shoot. Forgot about that. <laughs> Chris Sims says he's number 10, not even in the top 10 quarterbacks list, by the way. Just saying. I, 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 just, don't, I just don't understand how someone like that can be employed, although – I do maybe because Skip Bayless and Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith have been employed as long as they have. So I kind of get it. We need to sound a lot dumber on this show, which I thought we were doing, but I think we need to go further. We need to go to Chris Sims level if we want to make the big bucks. That's true. That's true. That's how we do it. Say dumb things on the air. Those will stick, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> Maddie, it is always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, I will be seeing you uh, down the road in the next episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, enjoy the week, my friend. Happy back after a week hiatus. We, we are full charge ahead through summer into football season now, I feel like. Love Just it. Full steam ahead. Full steam ahead. We'll get out on the links and talk football and shop. That's that's what summer's all about. I absolutely love it. Uh Lemon Pepper Lou, it is great to see you again, my friend, as well. I'm very excited to find out who in the world spin the wheel of who's going to make the NBA Finals now. It's getting a little wild, sir. Ooh, Kevin. 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 <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Got to love those Home Alone references in the middle of summer. I absolutely <laughs> Uh Going to be a lot of fun. Cannot wait to watch the NBA Finals. Because Lou Paracone is going to be locked. I'm, you're already locked in. I already know it. 
Get get Chris Paul on the court. That's all I need. We it's we won't get hot. into that. We won't get into that nonsense. But it's getting hot in here, my friend. I'm very excited. Um, we will be back with our next episode featuring the NFC South and any other breaking news, interesting news around the NFL uh, coming up in our next episode. So for our esteemed producer, Lemon Pepper Lou Paracone, and for Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silberth, I am Dan Zampano. We thank you for listening to the Sunday Car.